Hello and welcome to Sportsaholic. This is week six, baby. We are into the season. We are on a roll. Not on a roll. Both of us aren't on a roll, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're in. We're into the season. We're going a uh, little recap from last week. Nine, four, and one for me. Um, not not nearly as good for Nick. Five, eight, and one for our NFL expert. Um, <laughs> it First of all, we're going to talk about this briefly. Um, the Bills pick, I almost want to give us a pass for that. They got into London 50 hours before the game. Um, hey, well, we, we talked about that maybe being a factor, to be honest. Uh, we, yeah. just didn't, we didn't realize how much of a factor it was to benefit Jacksonville that they had been there two weeks in a row. I think that that was – something that even the players were talking about. Like they just felt physically better in their second game in London than they did in their first game. And they won both of them. But yeah, um, yeah, that was a bit of a tough situation. The Bills sort of fell flat from the get-go. Yeah, getting there, like 50 – like most teams, I think the Ravens are in Germany this week. I think they left immediately after the um, – immediately after the fact. Like – Right after the game against the Steelers ended, they got got on a flight. Or you could do it the other way and get there like maybe less than a day before game time, right? And avoid jet lag that way. You either deal with the jet lag. I feel like fifty hours puts your prime time for when you're going to start to get hit by jet lag. Like, yeah, that's, seriously that's, hit by. That's it. a yeah. That is a tough window where you feel like you you started to you haven't gotten the the full day of letting your brain sort of catch up, and that's. That's not ideal. And then our one push, I believe we both have the Texans plus two. Yeah. Um, yep. Falcons actually – I think Desmond Ritter heard our us talking bad about he him. Was, and he honestly, looked good. I, I liked rooting for him. I liked watching yeah. him drive. That was, that was well executed. Uh, but he needed it, and he's a great quarterback at home. So yeah. <laughs> that team might be nine and eight if they have nine home games. Right? So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this week's slate. Um, we're starting off with – the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by 10 and a half points. How are you feeling about this? I don't like 10 and a half for Kansas City on a short week, arguably with a limited Travis Kelsey, right? I think he's practicing. I think he'll probably play. Um, that injury looked a little scary when it first happened. And fortunately for Chiefs fans, he was able to come back. And fantasy owners, he was able to come back. Um, and finish the game. But on a short week, I imagine that he'll be limited. And I also, to be honest, I'm not thoroughly impressed with the way the Kansas City offense has looked throughout the entire season so far. I don't think that they're really doing what they used to do, which is get out ahead and destroy teams. I think that they had that that one blow up against uh, Chicago, the whole Taylor Swift game. That was that was fun. But that was very much an outlier. Um, and I think that this Denver team has actually been playing relatively well offensively if they don't get to the point where they hurt themselves in the foot that, uh, you know, they lose by 10 to a Jets team last week because of a, a sack fumble against a really good Jets defense. But Russell Wilson is top five in the league in QBR this year. He's thrown over, I think it's 11 touchdowns and only a couple interceptions. He's actually played well, despite the fact that they're, uh, they're, they're a one in four team, but in, in part, because I think that this is on a short week, it's a division game. And I think that the, the Broncos sort of have their back against the wall. I don't like, Kansas City taking a full 10 and a half points here. So I'm going to take Denver with the cover. 
I'm riding with you on that one for much of the same reasons. Short week, division game. Chiefs, they, they're winning, but they're not looking strong, at least off well, on either side of the ball. They're looking a bit better defensively than they were at the start of the season. I think Chris Jones coming back really yep. kind of bolstered them. But without with a limited Travis Kelsey, I imagine, from that scary non-contact injury, um, they just haven't looked that strong. It's a short week. The Broncos do have their back against the wall. They lost the Hackett Bowl to the Jets, um, which that – they for a team that lost by I want to say, what was it fifty to the Dolphins? Yep. Um, this the loss last week is more embarrassing from what like the preseason talk with Sean Payton talk about Hackett um, to, to lose that game against an Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers less or a team without Aaron Rodgers the Jets without Aaron Rodgers less than Zach Wilson. Um, that's yep. the most embarrassing loss of the season. I'm hoping they've hit like their rock bottom and they can, I don't think they're going to win this game by any means, but I think that they'll put up enough of a fight to get us to 10 and a half or 10 and a half point cover here. Yep. Uh, moving on here. This one is overseas, but again, nine 30 in the morning, the Baltimore Ravens favored by three and a half points against the Tennessee Titans. The Titans technically the home team, even though it's on a neutral site. Um, how do you feel about this one, Nick? I like Tennessee to cover with the points here. I, I Again, I mean, similar to Kansas City, but a little bit more accentuated. We haven't seen any sort of consistency in the Ravens offense. Last week was a pretty horrible showing against the Steelers after the first quarter, right? The, the drop passes in the end zone or for first downs. And I, I don't really think that Lamar Jackson was, as you were pointing out in the, in the pregame, in the pre-show, uh, I, I don't think that he was bad. I don't think that he's even necessarily limited in any way. I think he's actually getting more and more comfortable with the offense every week, and they're still just not clicking. And at this Tennessee team, if there's if there's any sort of team that they're built to play against, it's a team that's not an efficient offense that can be victim to an efficient and angry front seven that the Titans still seem to have. They're not as effective on the back end. We know that to be true. So if you see Zay Flowers start to make up for, for the game that he had last week, then then you could see a situation where the Ravens cover some points here. But Tennessee as technically the home team, I think, will keep this game close. I think that's the type of game that Mike Rabel's guys like to play. Um, and it looked like last week, too, was the first time we started to see a bit of a rapport between Ryan Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, they didn't win the game. I think the Colts are actually, surprisingly, probably just a better team than Tennessee. But that's, that's a good thing to think about going forward for the Titans. So I'm going to say the Titans cover three and a half. I'm betting on the bounce back here for the Ravens wide receiver core. Um, I'm going to take that minus three and a half. I am scared about everything that you just said coming into this and making my picks. I was looking at that. The Titans are built to play against the Ravens. However, at the end of the day, I just can't see the amount of talent that the Raiders or the Ravens wide receiver core has the I don't think they're going to lay two eggs in a row. Lamar, I believe, um, I was reading this uh, yesterday, was, I believe, top three in QBR for yep. quarterbacks last week, despite statistically not having a good game. And it seems like every drop or every miscue that the Ravens receiving core had was immediately followed by some disastrous play coming after it. Um, I don't imagine that's going to happen again. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. was talking, uh, told Odell to go be a family man after intercepting on that jump ball in the end zone. 
Um, I think he'll come back and hopefully have a big week for my fantasy team and for my pick as a whole. But I'm going to take the Ravens here um, to cover this one, minus three and a half. Moving on, we have the Falcons at home favored by two and a half points against the Washington Commanders. Um, Falcons had a bit of a bounce back last week, beating that Texans team, which we were very high on. Yep. Um, they're at home again. We were talking about a pre-show with Desmond Ritter being a much better home quarterback. Commanders kind of have their backs up against the wall after allowing the Bears to put a beat down on them. How do you feel about this one? This one's a tricky one, and I think that the spread is is justified in being as tight as it is, uh, given that Atlanta is kind of a home team, and they're starting to show that the athleticism that they have on both sides of the ball is enough to take over teams that have inexperienced quarterbacks or inexperienced offenses as a whole. And while the Washington defense, I would say, obviously embarrassed last week by Chicago, although Chicago's kind of a kind of a wild card when you think about it, where you could game plan for how they put on tape for the last year and a half, and it might not be enough based on what we think they can do with Justin Fields, right? So that's a that's a little bit of an interesting game, and I know that um, Washington's coming off a little bit of extended rest, but I'm going to take Atlanta in the points. I just think that uh, if Desmond Ritter can execute the way that he executed this past week, especially late in the game, I don't see why this Atlanta defense wouldn't be able to impose its will on Sam Howell, the way he's been uncomfortable in, in situations that require him to put some drives together. So I really actually do think this game stays close. Uh, but if, if Young Way Koo comes in and, and hits this game winner in a tie game, that gives you your spread, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Atlanta to, to win this game. I have the exact same thought process as you. I'm going to take the Falcons minus two and a half here. Um, I do like Sam Howell as a quarterback. What this is, that was his fifth NFL start last week. Yeah. Um, he, I, I'm hoping for his sake, just I like how he plays, progresses and gets the opportunity to progress. Yep. But I'm, I'm just going to take the Falcons here. I think that they're finally starting to use their playmakers. I think this was the first time that, both Kyle Pitts and Drake London got north of 10 targets each. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, that's that's exactly what they should yeah. do. And then allowing uh, Bijan Robinson to just come and take over through the tackles and allow them to establish a pace. I mean, the, the, the guy's the best athlete on the field, arguably, and, and he might be in this game for sure. So I would I, I agree with you. If they can utilize the weapons that they have outside, then they should be able to take care of business. We have an NFC North uh, showdown against two of the bottom feeders in that division. Minnesota Vikings, without Justin Jefferson, he has been placed on IR, are favored by three points on the road at the Chicago Bears, who are coming off of a very strong performance on Thursday. How are you feeling about this one? Give me the Bears. Yep. Give me the Bears and the points. I, I, this is two teams that – Although we're not totally sold on the Bears yet as, as hitting this this wave, I think that they're definitely teams that you can visibly see are going in opposite directions just by the feel of it, right? Minnesota, already the narrative talking about whether or not if they keep losing, if they should explore trade options for Kirk Cousins. Um, it's obviously too early in the season to do that for, for team morale's sake, and we have to remember that this team did win a whole bunch of games last year. But with Justin Jefferson going on IR, I think that what the Bears are going to do on extended rest is just come in with the same game plan they had against Minnesota. It's get after the quarterback, make him uncomfortable, and let Justin Fields loose and let DJ Moore um, sort of make a mountain out of this 
very, very weak Minnesota pass defense. It's been a very weak Minnesota pass defense pretty much the entire Kirk Cousins era. So that's part of why I think I don't think Kirk Cousins is getting any any hate too much for for the way this team has has started off the year, and I think that's justified. Uh, they're they're hurting themselves and hitting themselves really in every different way. They're fumbling the football. They're not able to stop a nosebleed. Um, so I think that if the Bears are able to actually continue this this trend of of offense that we've seen in the last eight quarters or so, they should they should take care of this game. And uh, I think that they should definitely cover three. Yeah, I'm riding with the Bears at home. I'll take a home dog most of the time, especially against a team in the Vikings that it, at this point you're shut down. Like you can't do it, obviously for team morale's uh, sake, but. You just shut down Justin Jefferson. Let him take the rest of this year off. You go and get whatever you can for uh, Kirk Cousins. Then you hope you win the Caleb Williams sweet uh, sweet sticks. But that being said, they're not. That's way ahead of the line here. I'm just gonna take the Bears. The I like what I said. I think we're there's a cycle of Justin Fields and the Bears as a whole. Yep. Um, the first couple weeks of the season, this is like, dude, why was he even drafted? Why is he playing quarterback? What is going on here? Yep. Then you're like, oh, oh, there's some life that. out of him. Yeah. And then he's the second coming of Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and with then arguably a better arm, right? Yeah, with our yeah. And then he kind of regresses. And then at the end of the season, when the Bears are completely out of it, he turns back into that monster. But we're in that, oh, is he the second coming of Lamar Jackson phase? So I'm going to take the Bears with the points here. Uh, thank you, and we'll move on. Um, Seattle Seahawks at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals favored by three. Um, I've, this might be the game of the week, to be completely honest with you, just in terms of how, when these offenses are going, this is going to this could be a very, very, very fun game. Um, how are you feeling about it, though, in terms of the spread? I was pretty nervous about this game factoring in that Seattle is coming off the bye. I think that they're uh, they're pretty good coming off the bye when it comes to uh, game planning effectively for, for even for good teams. And so I think they keep this game close. I think it's a, it's a tight game. But based on what we saw as sort of a get-right game last week for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and I think that uh, Joe Burrow's ankle and calf are clearly getting better to the point where he can move, he can function. I just don't expect uh, them to – lose any steam on that front as and this seattle secondary has been decimated by injuries it's also relatively underperforming compared to some expectations based on how some of those young guys in the secondary had performed last year like Tariq willen and so forth um so i'm going to take cincinnati in the points at home I, I think that seattle is is a good team i think they'll continue to fight in games uh, but this sort of gives me the feel of that game earlier in the year where they went into detroit and it was sort of a shootout, but Detroit was just able to edge them because of the momentum they were able to ride with their offense. So I'm going to say Cincinnati takes this one. Yeah, I see this game playing out exactly how that Detroit game played out. You have uh, – well, I think the Bengals are just going to start hitting their stride here. They always start very slow. Burrow looks to be healthy. He's moving around in the pocket a lot better. He's extending plays. And Jamar Chase followed up saying that he was 7-11, he's always open with being always open and putting yeah. on an absolute performance. Um, 
So as much as I want to pick the Seahawks here, just because I like the Seahawks, I think a lot of the Seahawks players are very cool. Bengals are the same way, and I'm going to just ride with the Bengals at home, favored by three. Moving on here, we have the 49ers at the Cleveland Browns. Niners look unstoppable. We'll get to that game uh, when we get to the Cowboys. But how are you feeling about this one? Four and a half points for the Niners. Yeah, I originally saw this line at six, and I would have taken them at that. I, I think that uh, I think that Deshaun Watson coming off the bye is probably going to give you a performance that's at least better than what we saw out of Dak Prescott last week, but it's still not going to be enough. I, I he just isn't practicing. He He's hasn't been practicing, um, at least going into the bye week. I haven't checked today, but as of yesterday, he hadn't been practicing, which I'm really confused about because he I'm pretty, he's healthy. Yeah, it could just be a like scheduled rest day. Just yeah. I, um, but I, I, I do. I think they expect him back. Uh, I think it was part of the plan to sit him a couple weeks ago, knowing that they had the bye week and they wanted to prepare for San Fran. And I think the, the the one unit that I really want to speak to in this game is the is the Cleveland defense. I think that they're going to come out and play hard, and I I just don't think it matters. I mean, I really don't know how teams can effectively game plan to sort of put away one of. San Francisco's many stars and expect to not be exploited by all of the others, right? I mean, you could try to key in on Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle can give you three touchdowns, right? We, I mean, we literally saw that against what we consider to be a pretty viable defense in the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I would say the Cleveland Browns defense is better when healthy, uh, but I just don't think that um, the, this spread is is remotely close to what San Francisco is capable of doing, even on the road. And Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey together when they start and complete games still have not lost football games. So I'm I'm going to keep riding that wave, and I think San Francisco takes care of business. Yeah, I I want to pick the Browns because I think if there's a defensive unit that could potentially match up with this Niners the offense. It would be them just based on the strength of their secondary and just the, the overall unit just matches up very well. But at the end of the day, it's the 49ers. I'm not sold on Kevin Stefanski as a head coach, but I am sold on the Niners. Like you just really can't. They, they have too many weapons. There's just like really nothing you can do. They can beat you in so many different ways. And even if you game plan perfectly, they have the talent to just kind of Yep. Make it not matter. Yep. So I'm going to just take the Niners here four and a half. I would take it at, I'd take it at six and a half. Um, yeah. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, so I'm going to take the Niners minus four and a half on the road. Moving on here, we have the Carolina Panthers at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins favored by nearly two touchdowns, 13 and a half points here. How are you feeling about this? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not overthinking this one. Take Miami in the points. I think Mike McDaniel's really having fun game planning for for any opponent he's come across. I know that uh, the Buffalo Bills have sort of figured out a way to at least limit the, the the dynamism of that offense. So that'll be something to keep an eye on down the road. But if we're just talking for this week, I just don't think the Carolina Panthers are at a point where they can impose any will on either side of the ball. And uh, if Miami's able to jump out to a lead as one of the highest scoring offenses ever. 13 and a half points really doesn't feel like that much, right? I mean, they've beaten the team. So uh, I'm going to, I'm not overthinking it. Miami and the points at home should be a good day in South Florida. Yep. I agree with you there. Miami and the points. 
not there's not much to go into even with uh HN going down Jeff will uh coming off of IR for them so they can just kind of move Mostert up move Jeff will back in let HN rest it doesn't it honestly doesn't really matter as long yeah. as the guy runs a four like some sub four four they could put anyone in the backfield and that would work um Mike McDaniel doing the very Al Davis thing of just getting the best athletes for your skill position players, but actually using them appropriately, something that I've seen the Raiders try to do for my entire life and not do. Yeah. But I'm glad someone is taking that very cool philosophy and making it work. But yeah, it's going to be a really fun day in South Florida at Miami gardens at the hard rock. Um, yeah. Moving on, we have the Detroit Lions favored by three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm gonna take the Bucks here plus three. Um, okay. I'm all in on I'm all in on Baker Mayfield, and I like the Lions a lot. I'm just I'm all in on Baker Mayfield, and you've kind of seen um, we've seen the Lions really depend on that running game. If there is a team that can stop the run effectively, like just about as good as anyone in the league. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So for that, I'm taking the Bucks plus three. How are you feeling about this though, Nick? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that uh, it, it just depends on how dynamic that run offense can be. I mean, we did see just by the way that the, the game script went out that in that game against Philadelphia, right, it was, it was tougher for Tampa Bay to stop the run because they couldn't run the ball effectively themselves. And I just expect, uh, I expect, the Lions to come into this game with really a, a defensive anchored approach. I think that uh, in Tampa Bay on the road, coming off a bye, the, the Buccaneers, that, that is, uh, you're, you're going to look at Dan Campbell's guys to, to just keep up the aggressive momentum. And I agree, the offense is pretty dependent on the run. So we'll see whether or not they can they can sustain the run against this this rested Tampa Bay defense. But and as much as I love what Baker's doing in, in Tampa Bay, I do think that the Detroit Lions defense has just been able to stack up some good performances and, and come at teams with good game plans. So I think this is probably a good game where both quarterbacks play well and both running games try to try to show up. I don't know what we'll see out of the Buccaneers run game. Um, but for that reason, I think three points is just a little bit too thin. So I'm going to take Detroit in the points. Moving on here, we have the Colts at the Jags in Duval. Jags favored by five. Um, no Anthony Richardson for the next four to eight weeks. So it is the triumphant return of the Minshew show to Duval. Uh, Minshew Magic is back at TIAA. How are you feeling about that? Nervous because I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if Gardner Minshew comes in and, and goes and beats his old, his old team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, that that slate in London showed that Jacksonville's very well coached, they're well structured, and they've got talent to support it. You sort of saw a, an outburst of Travis Etienne, which we had not seen really to this point in his career sustainably. And I think you look at him to continue that momentum uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and, and we can recall too that you know earlier in the year the, the the matchup that we were looking for out of Jacksonville just wasn't wasn't a performance that we were expecting, right? But now we're starting to see that move forward and uh, and, and really materialize. So I'm going to take Jacksonville at home in the points. I'm going to take the Colts. I'm taking the other side of it. Um, I think five's too much. Um, I'm taking the revenge factor in. And I'm also, like you saw Zach Moss explode last week for yeah, the Colts. But I think especially with Minshew, um, they're going to try and lean on Jonathan Taylor. 
and I'm expecting a really big week out of him, despite is despite how strong I think that Jacksonville defense has shown to be um, so yep. far this year. Um, I'm just expecting a big game out of Jonathan Taylor here, um, and I think five is just too much. So I'm going to take the Colts plus five. Moving on here, we have the Saints minus two and a half point favorites on the road. They are in Houston. Saints coming off of an absolute beatdown of New England Patriots. Neither of us expected that. Nope. However, that's what that's what happened. The Texans coming off of a heartbreaking loss. Some you could say, but the Texans this season feel like they're just kind of playing with house money. So, how are you feeling about this game overall? Yeah, I, I like the house money Houston Texans. I like them to cover, and I, I it, you know, it's it's part because I still don't have this full belief in the New Orleans squad despite last week because I I really think that, and we were talking about this offline. I think that what that really was a reflection of is that you have to stay away from the New England Patriots. It wasn't so much that even the two teams that have demolished them in the last few weeks did anything in particular that was special. They're just at such a point of struggling to move the ball that uh, that they're really just making teams look better than they are. And I think the New Orleans Saints are a classic example of that. I also think that Houston coming off what was, you could say, a heartbreaking loss. They played well. They played well on both sides of the ball. CJ Stroud was resilient in the fourth quarter. Uh, which is, I think, is something that he can build off of, and I do expect them at home to take care of business. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep riding the the house money team and, and say that Houston covers. Yeah, I'm taking Texans plus two and a half. It's pretty easy. I am not confident in the Saints at all, um, but the one person I am confident in is C.J. Stroud. He looks really good. Um, yep. At the for a rookie quarterback, he's just. Like he's so he's not turnover averse in the way that he plays, but it seems like he just continuously makes the right decisions. Like the- well, he I mean he now he broke Dak Prescott's record for uh, most consecutive pass attempts to start a career without an interception. And like you said, it's not like he's avoiding throws or taking too many checkdowns or not taking risks. He's just accurate. He's decisive and he's fluid and he's able to keep the chains moving. Yeah. And because of that, I'm just going to take the Texans plus two and a half. Um, Moving on here. We have the new England Patriots. They're heading to Vegas in the kind of master and, or uh, yeah, master and mentee or the mentor and mentee kind of matchup here. um, Josh McDaniels, um, the Raiders are favored by three. I'm interested to see what you're going to say on this one. I, instead of the Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick narrative, I think we should effectively call this the Jacoby Myers game because I think Jacoby Myers is going to be the guy who shows the new England Patriots that they misused him. They drastically misused him over the past three plus seasons. Uh, He's already started to establish a pretty nice rapport with Jimmy G, particularly in the red zone. And I think that continues. The Patriots don't have anybody on the back end that you're super confident in now with Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez, both done for the foreseeable future. And I think we both agree that um, despite the the fan biases, I think that we can agree that until further notice, New England should be stayed away from. And I I think what honestly might be the most exciting point of this game, because I would expect after that impressive Monday night defensive performance from the Raiders, if they can continue that momentum, you could be looking at a storyline where the, the future of Mac Jones in new England is, 
is being questioned as early as the the second half of this game. So uh, I'm going to say that the Raiders take points here. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders and the points. I'm not going to get too deep in on the Raiders because I feel like I talk to the, I talk to them at not or talk about them at nauseum every week. Um, the Patriots, on the other hand, have a serious Mac Jones problem, um, highlighted by the fact that. Well, not only there's things coming out saying the cook is or the quote from, I believe, one of his uh, friends saying that the doesn't matter about the uh, ingredients or no, a cook can't cook with bad ingredients. Um, yeah, especially for Patriots fans who saw you can't compare Tom Brady and Mac Jones to each other. But at the end of the day, you saw Tom Brady with three debatably football or one of them a football player, but three short whites and then Gronk kind of just walk into the playoffs every year and have a very strong offense. Um, they put money into the receiving core in the off season. Now, if that money was spent well, that remains to be seen. Um, I can kind of assume that it wasn't, um, but it just doesn't, there's nothing working schematically. Mac Jones just doesn't seem to vibe with the Bill O'Brien offense. And I believe Bill O'Brien's a good offensive coordinator uh just mac doesn't seem to be the answer and it seems to be a rapidly deteriorate deteriorating situation between him the fan base the front office and the coaching staff yep. um and also i think that uh bill belichick might not might not even be able to coach this game if he's just staring across the field lusting over jimmy g and what could have been um, so that as well is why I'm taking the Raiders <laughs> minus three. <laughs> Might be true, but I mean, Bill Belichick not coaching in this game could could result in. I mean, it has to result in a better outcome than either of the past. Few, but we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. I we'll see. The Patriots don't have a secondary, and the Raiders' passing attack. Um, it schematically, Jimmy G just starts is starting to look a bit more comfortable in the scheme, which. Yep. Um, I'm not going to talk about them anymore. It's Raiders minus three. We're both on that because the Patriots stink. Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams favored by six at home. We saw Puka and Cooper Cup kind of coexisting here. Um, how do you feel about this game? Yeah, I, I, I was almost overthinking this for a sec, just writing this idea that Arizona's playing teams tough and that the Rams aren't exactly setting a pace yet. But I do think that part consequence of the Rams not being able to, or I should say part cause of the Rams not being able to really set a pace last week was the fact that they did run into the Philadelphia Eagles who controlled time of possession. Um, that's the game that Arizona likes to play. They're just not as reliable to do so as a team like the Eagles. So I would expect the the, the Puka and Cooper Cup duo to, to really become a bit more refined for Matthew Stafford uh, against this Arizona team that's a little bit weak in the secondary. Um, playing hard, but but six points, I think, is plenty for uh, for the Rams to cover at home in this game. I don't see them losing. I think this Rams team is pretty good. I don't see them losing back-to-back -back home, game, home games. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, mainly, yeah, back-to-back -back home losses doesn't seem in the cards for this team, especially against a team that is very scrappy, but yeah. I wouldn't call them a good football team in Arizona. Um, I believe James Connors is out as well this week. Um, which kind of just adds into the misfortune or, or just makes the Rams a much more appealing pick. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take the minus six. I'm not going to really try and overthink this one. Um, so moving on here, we have 
The Philadelphia Eagles, they're going on the road. They're playing against the Jets. They're favored by six and a half points. How are you feeling about this? It's an interesting one because I think that the Jets are starting to figure out the game script that's required for them to compete in games. Uh, so I, I, I also, again, I'm not super confident in anybody's ability to keep the, the points super thin against the Eagles, just the way that they play. Uh, but I think six and a half is is wide enough for this Jets team, which might, you could argue, might be the best defense that Philly gets to go up against to this point in the season. If they are to game plan effectively in New York, this Eagles team has shown that they can play down when they don't control time of possession and when they're facing an offense that can be dynamic on the outside. Perfect example was the Washington game, right? That game had no business going to overtime if you look at the head-to-head matchups, but the idea behind it was a team that could lead the game with its defense, keep Jalen Hurts and that rushing game off the field, and from there, look to just have a simplified but still spread out offense that has playmakers that can just get the ball in the end zone. And that's exactly what the Jets are going to try to be for the time being with Zach Wilson, and it seems like they're they're starting to get him into a little bit of a groove that makes him look like a professional. So I'm going to I'm going to take the Jets and the points. I, I think it's a risk. Um, but I, I, this is a Philly 5-0 and team that has not played uh, a defense at this point that gives me uh, any sort of a fright compared to what the Jets defense can give you. Yeah, we've seen the Jets defense slow down every offense that we think has been very good so far this year. Um, they just do a really good job of just limiting what you're good at. However, the issue, I think, falls to the other side of the ball here. Um, Zach Wilson, in part, looked competent last week because the running game was so strong. It's true. And then on the other side of that, you have the Eagles defensive line, which is bordering on war crime levels of scariness. Um, Jalen Carter is is just – uh, not a human at this point. He is, he is just a baby Aaron Donald at this point. I think with the way, at least the way that his rookie season has gone, he is just he is a one man wrecking crew. And then he is being used in a way that just kind of like you can. He's not even having to play every down because they're so deep on that line that they're yeah. just always bringing in fresh linemen, defensive linemen, to just kind of blow up everything you want to get going up the middle to the outside. It doesn't really matter. So that's what scares me here. And that's why I'm taking the Eagles minus six and a half. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think a touchdown is enough points for me to be comfortable picking the Eagles here. That's fair. Yeah. Moving on. We have the giants at the Buffalo bills. Uh, Bills laid an egg in London last week. They are favored by, well, I think this is this the biggest spread we've seen this year, 14 and a half points yep. um, against the Giants, who I don't know if they're going to have Daniel Jones, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. Um, so how are you feeling about this? Yeah, I, it's an interesting point, and I almost think it wouldn't even matter. Uh, Daniel Jones getting pressured at an unprecedented rate this year while their offensive line continues to rehab from injuries. Um and to be honest, with the Saquon injury too, there's just nobody offensively that gives you a, a threat of of just 
vulnerability, right? Like making you feel like your defense is vulnerable in any specific pocket at any time in the game, no matter what the score is. Uh, so I, I really just don't expect the the Giants to hang around in this game for long. I, if we remember before the the loss in London, which may have been a jet lag production, uh, the Bills had cleared out each of the previous three opponents by north of 23 points, respectively. 14 and a half is, is well below that. Let's just put it that way. So I think that this is a game that Giants fans probably don't even want to turn on. Uh, I'm going to say that Buffalo covers this fairly easily. I agree with you. I'm saying I'm not going to sweat this at all. Um, I'm betting against the Giants, regardless of Daniel Jones playing or not, despite my personal vendetta against Daniel Jones. <laughs> um, the Bills pass rush has been has been very strong this year, and they brought back Von Miller um, off of injury, which yep. only just adds to that. Yeah, that Oliver, you have Gregory Rousseau, you have Von Miller, you got just a bunch of dogs on the defensive line. And the Giants' uh, offensive line could not stop a nosebleed. Nope. They, they couldn't stop anything. You could have a small child running through the gaps in that offensive line. It does not matter. They cannot stop anything, and they think it's just going to be yet another uh, very painful day for whoever is lining up under center for the Giants. Yep. So Bills minus 14.5. Moving on to the Monday night game. Um, we have a good one on paper. The Dallas Cowboys favored by two points on the road against the Chargers. Eckler is back for the Chargers. The Cowboys, Nick, what happened, buddy? What happened last week? You can talk through it for uh, well, us. A couple things happened. I was talking about this offline with our, our, our good buddy, Mike. I didn't really understand why they deferred the coin toss. This is a team predicated on building leads and hammering you home with the defense and you're going up against a team that is just as good if not definitely better than you at that exact same thing right um so uh, not to say that the game was over when it's seven nothing but like you've seen Dak Prescott sort of fold and have these early three and outs against better defenses that uh, can put you in a horrible horrible position against a team that is just objectively, you know, probably our, our number one Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender right now in the San Francisco 49ers. So it was just a total meltdown. It was a bad game. It was a poorly executed game plan from start to finish. I think McCarthy is very carefully trying to execute this game plan that we've spoken to a couple times now where it's, it's intentionally limiting, but also with time freeing up Dak Prescott, if you allow yourself to establish a run game and, and extend the play down the field, where I think he might have to make the adjustments is if it's in a game that's sort of like what maybe we expect this game to be where it's a shootout, right? And you you want to control time and you want to be dynamic in your offense. You have Brandon Cooks. You have CeeDee Lamb. Get the ball 20 yards downfield. Those are the types of throws that Dak Prescott likes to make. I, I like the idea of them sticking to a, a script per se, but I think that the the they're sort of on two opposite ends of the spectrum one year to the next where it was super, super – uh, explosive and maybe overly dynamic, unnecessarily dynamic and in, in, in not valuing situational football to now trying to prioritize situational football maybe a little bit too much, right? So I think that the they will figure out the blend of that over the course of the season. Um, and it just, it, you know, when you go against a team like San Francisco, if you're not hitting on most cylinders, let alone zero cylinders, uh, it's going to be a bad day. So my the, the influence for this game, right, on – my pick for this is just more so that I actually trust Mike McCarthy more than I trust Brandon Staley. That's it. 
That's literally it. I, I don't think that any, any other factor matters in this game. I think that Justin Herbert can have an incredible day and Brandon Staley could make a mistake that allows our defense to just make one or two extra plays, which it typically likes to do. Um, and and set Dak Prescott in a better position to to execute a win. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the Cowboys minus two. I was very close to taking the Chargers. My my only point being, I, I, at least you can see some consistency in what Mike McCarthy's trying to do. Brandon Staley, I have no idea what he's trying to do, mostly ever. Uh, so I, I I think I think this should be a good game. Like we said, it's a good game on paper. You also look at Dak Prescott. He is pretty pretty good at bouncing back. Uh, the Cowboys are now, I think, nine and zero or ten and zero in their uh, in the last nine plus games that they uh, they're coming back from a loss. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cowboys in the points here. Yeah, I I'm taking the boys and the points. I have well, actually, I have zero confidence in really either of these coaches. It, McCarthy has looked a lot more confident, but I just for years remember watching him up. <laughs> in Green Bay just being in kind of squandering it Aaron Rodgers um talent. So I'm not the most confident in him, but Brandon Staley is right up there on the Josh McDaniels level of idiocracy in terms of being an NFL head coach. Yep. So I'm gonna take the Cowboys despite Eckler being back. I'm hoping that this is a good game. I'm hoping this is a high scoring game. Uh, especially after last week kind of not being the most exciting game for non-affiliated uh, people. Um, yep. So I'm going to take the Cowboys here. I'm not going to try and overthink this one, but I'm hoping for a good one. So that will do it for week six. Um, we're looking for another good week out of us. Um, a bounce back. <laughs> a little bounce back for you. I'm looking to keep the momentum high. Uh, just some record keeping here. On the year, um, 43-33-2. Nick, you're 40-36-2 as well. Um, so let's look to get at least uh, into the 50s for both of us at the end or going into next week. So, yeah, I like that. Yep. Um, cool. This will be out. I hope everyone enjoys watching the Broncos and the Chiefs tonight. So have a great rest of your day. Um, and football is back.